So today I'm titling the message, A Foolish King, A Foolish King. Uh, so if you're taking notes, you can just uh, go right along with us. There should be a note card. Uh, well, they were available when you walked in. If you need one, just raise your hand and we'll get a note card too if you want to take some notes. But uh, A Foolish King. And so again, we're looking at Daniel chapter 3. If you're new with us and you haven't been part of our series, all of these are online so you can catch up. This is our third week of the series. Um, so if you missed any of those, you can catch on. But uh, don't worry, you can still jump in today and still know what's going on. Uh, but I encourage you to read chapter 3 if you haven't already. You can read it tonight, and the next week we'll go over chapters four and five, Uh, but uh, today we're just going to cover chapter three. Uh, So when we talk about Daniel, uh, one thing that's important if you're new to the Bible or if you've never really understood the, uh, you know, kind of how it's laid out, Daniel's not written in a sense of, uh, you know, so Daniel chapter two, we we went over last week and we talked about the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and Daniel uh, supernaturally not only told him the dream without knowing what it was, but then interpreted it and this blew the king away. Uh, So we went through that in chapter two and then this, this week in chapter three, it almost seems like that happened and this happened the next day. You know, if you're reading the Bible, that's what it kind of seems like, because you're reading chapter two, now you're reading chapter three. Uh, but uh, in essence, there's, there's an amount of time between two and three, probably 15 or so years between the last verse of chapter two and the first verse of chapter three. So there is a big amount of time that happened between those two verses. And the reason why uh, we say that is because chapter one and two is early in King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. In fact, it says uh, in chapter two, verse one, it says this was the second year of his reign. Uh, And then in chapter four was the end of his reign. So there's almost a 40 year time span between one and four. So I just, I I tell you that because sometimes when you read the Bible, uh, especially uh, when I was new to the Bible, I'm reading this, it almost seems like it happened day one, day two, day three, but it's not always written in that way. There could be a a huge span of time, but it is historically accurate. It's uh, what the Bible has put down and and what's written here is exactly what God wants us to hear and see and know. But um, but, uh, also when we look at a foolish king, I I want you to, because it seems like Daniel interpreted this dream, the king was blown away, and then uh, then this thing happens. It's like, well, why would he do that when that just happened? Well, there's 15 years between that. So uh, even though he should have realized and he should have understood the God that he met that day, um, he had forgotten. And so when, I, when we read about the foolish king, uh, we're going to talk about two things. First thing, there was a foolish image and a foolish decree. Uh, so Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king, and uh, I'm going to shorten his name because Nebuchadnezzar, if I have to say that over and over, it gets really long. So we'll just call him Nebi. And I'm thankful he's not alive because he'd probably kill me for that, right? So, you know, King Nebi. And so uh, Nebi was, uh, made this foolish image. And so let's read this in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says this, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width was 60 cubits. Uh, he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So that may not mean much to you because we don't use cubits as a measurement anymore, but back then they did. So cubits made a lot of sense. It was basically uh, the size of your arm. Uh, so, but, you know, just like if you ever do the foot measurement, you know, that depends on the, the size of the foot. So cubits is a little bit relative. But in feet, this is 90 feet tall. This statue is 90 feet tall. And if you remember anything from chapter 2, when Daniel had interpreted the dream, uh, he basically, uh, the dream was basically a statue. And Nebuchadnezzar was the head. And remember, the head was made of gold, and it was the finest and most prominent of the statue. Uh, and then there was, you know, uh, the breast and the, and the belly and the legs, and those represented different, different uh, countries or kingdoms that would take over after Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so when we read chapter 3 and we realize that Nebuchadnezzar made this image, 
Now, it doesn't say what the image is. It just says he made this image, and it's 90 feet tall. Do you realize how big 90 feet is? It's very, very tall. There's not many statues that are 90 feet tall. Um, But let's read two through six, and then I'll I'll give you some comparison. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, sent word to gather together. Oh, wait, I'm going to read out a different translation. Then he sent messages to high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, that's a lot of people, and all uh, provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then he heralded a shout out, people of all races and nations and languages. That pretty much covers the whole world, right? Covers everybody. Listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a burning furnace. And this is why I say the title of the message is A Foolish King, because Nebuchadnezzar did some foolish things. He made some foolish choices, and one of them was he made a foolish image. He made a 90-foot statue. Now, this is unbelievably large. Most scholars believe this was a statue of himself. Some scholars believe that he made a 90-foot head of himself, which would be crazy, a 90-foot face of Nebuchadnezzar staring at you. Uh, Others believe that it was the whole statue. It was a whole person that was 90 foot tall, Um, but he layered it in gold. He overlaid it in gold, which is a common practice in the Old Testament, where they would make something out of wood, and then they would overlay the the, the top surface of gold so it would look like it's pure gold. Um, So uh, either way, there's this 90-foot statue, probably, possibly, of Nebuchadnezzar himself, that he commanded everybody should come and worship when the music would start playing. And so this is just foolishness. Now, uh, to give you an idea of how big this is, I, I brought you a picture on Father's Day. My, uh, my wife and my kids uh, took me and my father-in-law to PNC Park, and we did the whole tour, and they gave us all kinds of information that I didn't, didn't know. Uh, but this is Roberto Clemente and a big icon in, in Pittsburgh Pirate Baseball. And so there's a statue there set up of him. Uh, and uh, guess how tall this is? 21 feet. Roberto's number was 21. 21 feet tall. So imagine that. That's 21 feet tall and four times as large as Clemente's. I mean, four times as large, not just a couple. Four times. That would be a massive statue. In fact, the bridge, Roberto Clemente Bridge, right behind that is 78 feet tall. So if you've ever been to Pittsburgh and you went across that bridge, it's a beautiful bridge. It's very iconic. It's still 12 feet taller than the bridge. That is a humongous statue. It is massive. And it just goes to show you how foolish uh, King Nebi is being right now. And why his, er- his arrogance, his pride, uh, the power. Now, he's the most powerful king in the world right now and, and probably is one of the most powerful kings that ever lived. Uh, but there's a lot of pride and arrogance. And look, as human beings, sometimes this can happen. When we are given power and we're given influence, if, if we don't have our values and our priorities right and who God is, uh, then we could start to control and manipulate. And, and Nebi did that a lot, didn't he? I mean, he used manipulation to its fullest. Basically, if you don't worship me, you're going in the furnace. That's control. That's manipulation. That's what a lot of dictators will do to get you to do what they want. They use force and fear, and they, they use persecution to get you to do what they want. Uh, so he did this before, if you remember. Uh, he just did this in chapter 2. Uh, He just said, if you can't interpret my dream, if you can't tell me what the dream is, then I'm going to rip your limbs off and burn your houses down. And so, I mean, this is a pattern that he has, that he uses his 
pride and his arrogance and his selfishness to really get his way, uh, and unfortunately, in a negative way. And so none of us would like that if that was the United States of America. If we lived under that kind of rulership, it'd be a difficult place to live. And that's really what was happening in Babylon. And so, uh, so that, but that's where we are. That's the foolishness of Nebuchadnezzar. He is really uh, setting up this 90-foot statue where everyone has to come and worship. When the music starts playing, then you must bow down and worship. And if you don't, you're going into the fiery furnace. And, and furnaces back in the Old Testament, in fact, we still use blast furnaces today, Pittsburgh is known for their blast furnaces, right, to melt steel. And so this is a practice. In fact, he probably made the image of gold out of the blast furnace. They understand how to control temperatures, change temperatures, make it hotter for different metals. This is something they're very common with. So uh, basically, if you don't worship, you're going into the blast furnace where we just made this wonderful image. Uh, That's the real foolishness of Nebuchadnezzar. And he's really, uh, I, I I want you to hear the difference between Nebuchadnezzar and the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God says about pride. And it's actually speaking to, uh, he's actually speaking to the Jews that are actually in captivity at this time. He says, human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. So everything that exalted, even this 90-foot statue will come down. In fact, that was part of the interpretation that we, let, we read last week was, that there's going to come a stone that's going to really destroy all of Babylon, the statue, this kingdom, everything will be destroyed. It will be actually turned into dust is what the interpretation was, if you remember. Uh, But God will humble the proud. It's something that he spoke about. Now, he would rather us humble ourselves, but if you won't do that, if we won't humble ourselves, then the Lord will humble you. And you'll learn next week, as we look at four and five next week, that you won't like the outcome of being humbled by the Lord. Um, But it is something that we need to learn to do, is to humble ourselves. Look, we all deal with pride, and so let's not look at at Nebuchadnezzar and say, well, what a fool, uh, in a sense of pointing fingers, because all of us have made foolish decisions, haven't we? I know I have. I've made some foolish decisions. In fact, one thing I've learned is the more that I worship Jesus and the more that I understand Jesus, the less I foolish decisions I make. <laughs> but early on, we made some foolish decisions. Before Christ, we made some foolish decisions. God really helps us uh, in our wisdom and our understanding and our humbleness, and I'm thankful for that. But let's look at Nebuchadnezzar. He's not following God. He's not following Jesus. So he's making decisions based on himself and his pride and his arrogance, and he's really controlling and manipulating to get his own way. And this is what happens with sin. James says that sin will grow. It will continue to fester and grow until death is really what it says. And if it's uncontrolled, that's what will happen. And you'll see this later in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. Pride was his Achilles heel. It's what really took him out. It's what wiped out the kingdom was his own pride. And so today, uh, I just want you to see what foolishness looks like. And, uh, you know, it looked like a statue first and foremost. And second, the decree was foolish, that everyone must worship this statue that was foolish. Second, there's a setup. Uh, there's a setup. Now, Daniel, remember, they, they took the Jews captive. They went into Judah. They went into, uh, they went into the north of Israel and the south of Israel. They took captive every Jew. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are serving the king. In fact, after they interpreted the dream, if you remember, Daniel was promoted, and Daniel made a request to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, I want you also to promote Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're going to be over these different providences. He said, done. So they were all promoted in the kingdom. They were all over uh, different people. And so the setup is this. 
Daniel's in charge of all the wise, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are over the different providences, and so there's people underneath them. The decree or the foolishness of the image and the foolishness that you must worship this image is happening, and so most of the Babylonian people are going and, and bowing down to this statue, but guess who's not? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, only the only people that are brought before the king right now are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because the providence that they're leading, the leadership and the people underneath him said, hey, these guys aren't worshiping you, king. They're not coming. They're not showing up. They're hearing the music, but they're not bowing down. So what are we going to do about that? That's the setup. What are you going to do about that, king? And so here's, here's what it says in the scripture, verses 12 through 13. But there were some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. So they're really pro, you know, prodding him and poking him. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him when they were brought in. So imagine that. They know the decree. They know what's about to happen They've got some guys setting them up saying, hey, you're not worshiping the statue. We went and told the king. Any of you have kids? It's like the tattletale, right? Doesn't that drive you crazy when they just keep tattletaling on each other? That's what's happening. The province says, hey, these guys aren't worshiping you, king. They're not listening to your decree. They're not respecting you. And so they set them up to be thrown into the furnace. Really, here's what I believe. This is what pride will do. I want to be in charge, and I'll do anything in my power to make it happen. And so I don't like that they're over me. Here's a way to get rid of them. Let's tell them that the king, that they're not worshiping the statue. Then guess what? We're, someone's got to be promoted if they die in the furnace. This is what pride does. It's really evil in its intentions because it's all about us. It's all about me. I'll do anything in my power to make sure that I get what I want. And it's not healthy. And this is what's happening in Babylon. This is what's happening in the leadership so Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi is furious, mad. He brings in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I guarantee you, this is not a comfortable meeting. They walk in, verse 14 and 16 of chapter 3 says, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? Now realize, let's understand something. He promoted them. He promoted them. 10, 15 years ago. He just promoted them. They're over the Babylon prophets. Why? Why are they over them? Because the God that they worship interpreted his dream. The God that they worship supernaturally gave him the dream. And he promoted him because of the power of that God. But yet he's forgotten. 15 years or so has went by. He hasn't forgotten the dream because he just made this humongous statue, I'm sure, reflecting. So he remembers, but he doesn't care. Pride has gotten into his heart and he's He's doing what he wants to do anyway, regardless of how powerful God is. So he says this, I'll give you one more chance. I like that. I'll give you one more chance. Hit it, guys. The music begins. To bow down and worship and statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical answers, but if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the burning furnace. And then what God, listen to that, listen to the arrogance, of Nebuchadnezzar, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Well, the same God that interpreted your dream, do you remember? But pride blinds you. That's why Jesus always said, 
Soften your hearts. Stop stiffening your neck. Open your ears. Open your eyes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love their reply. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, little Nebi. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. I'm sure that didn't go over well. We know it didn't go over well. Because Nebi said, guys, turn up the furnace. Whatever it's set at now, turn it up seven times as hot. Seven times. I mean, I don't know how those things work, but that's hot. And we know it's hot because the Bible says, if you read it later on, it says they bound, they put them in whatever clothing they were going to be in when they went into the furnace. They bound them so they couldn't move. And then they had to physically take them to the top of the furnace. So the the furnace would have been tall because it says they threw them in and they fell. So it would have been tall. And so there also must have been in the furnace a a window or something that you could see. We know with blast furnaces, they need air to, to make it hotter. And so, but... Some, some way, Nebuchadnezzar could look into the furnace and see the flame. He could see inside. And they bound up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they need help. They need help not only being brought up to the top of the furnace, but they need help being thrown into the furnace. They're so bound they can't move. They're shackled together. They're bound together. It's so hot. Seven times, it's so hot. The Bible says the people that threw them in died because it was so hot. The fire literally took their lives. That is crazy hot. That's way beyond a suntan. I mean, they are gone. They're dead. That is a crazy setup, isn't it? But here's the miracle. So the guys that were throwing them in, which were, uh, the scripture says, these were mighty men. These were, these were great soldiers for the king. Gone because of the heat, because it was so hot, because of the fury and anger of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is where it all started. Because of the foolishness of the decree, the foolishness of the image. He's got three amazing men of God standing in front of him bound. They throw them in. Here's the miracle. Let's, let's read it together. Daniel chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 23. It said, well, let's start in 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, three men. So here's the miracle. There's many miracles here. But the first one being that they were all bound, and they, they fell into the furnace. Now, I don't know how high it was, but... They didn't really care if they survived the fall. But they fell into the furnace and they survived. And somehow, when they fell in, somehow Nebuchadnezzar could see in and said, hey guys, we threw three in, but there's not three people in there. There's four people in there. Who's the other guy? So let's read it again. Let's read the rest of it, starting in verse 26 and 27. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar went to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Now, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Come out of there. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their head was not singed, 
nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. That is crazy good. These guys survived the fall. The fire, they had like a modern-day force field. If you like, like Superman and stuff, that's pretty cool. Modern-day force field, which was Jesus protecting them. And they're literally standing in the fire. I, I don't know what they're doing, but I, you know, I'm a visual guy, so they're like, I don't know, just talking to Jesus, hanging out, maybe eating one of those ballpark hot dogs that you had on July 4th or something. But they're, they're sitting there talking. And Nebuchadnezzar can see four people, and he says, look, hey, guys, of the most high God, which is not a term that he would use very lightly. It's interesting that he used that term because that's a Jewish term that he's saying. He's basically saying, that's the Messiah in there. If you've ever, maybe this is new to you. I learned this. Uh, this is one of those cool Bible, when you go to university and you learn about the Bible, this is one of those terms they teach you. It's not in the Bible, you won't find it, but it's called a Christophany. A Christophany is when Christ appears in the Old Testament before he comes in the New Testament. That there's moments where Jesus has appeared and showed himself. Moses and the burning bush would be one example. That God was in the bush and speaking. And so that was a, a representation of where Christ was speaking to Moses. There's an, this is another example where Jesus is actually in the furnace. They see, they, they're trying to describe what he looks like. But there's a guy in there that looks like the son of God. Now, the son of God is not a term that Babylonians would use. The son of God actually is a term that points, that says this is the Messiah. The son of God is the Messiah. That's the term that's always used in the Old Testament, saying that that's the Messiah that's to come. So Nebuchadnezzar is literally saying the Messiah is in the furnace. The son of God, the Messiah, is in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, come out. Shadrach, walk out to me. Now, remember, how did they go in? Bound, they couldn't move. They had to have someone toss them in, which also died. So miracle one is they're standing with the heat that killed the guys and they fall in, they survive the fall somehow. They must be like a cat with nine lives. They land on their feet or something. I don't know what happened, but they survived the fall. And now they're standing in the fire with Jesus who delivered them, protected them, saved them. They're standing there with Jesus and Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of the Most High God, come out. And so how do they come out? They're bound. No, they're not anymore. They're free. And they walk out. And the Bible says they walk out not a singe, that the, the fire had no power. Now, how many of you know a hot fire has a lot of power? No power, no singed hair, no smell of fire. They're clothes were not even touched or licked by the fire. This was an amazing miracle. How many of you guys have roasted marshmallows and made s'mores on a bonfire? How many of you have done that? How many of you have went inside and your spouse said, you need to go change. You reek. You smell like smoke, right? You smell like smoke. You smell so bad when you're standing around a fire. Maybe you like that smell. I don't know. But there is a distinct smell when you're around a fire that sticks to you. Very quickly it sticks to you. But these guys had not even a scent. I used to cook in restaurants, and uh, I still like to cook. In fact, I did until I fourth, and uh, the fire was so hot in my grill that it singed all the hairs off my hand. You ever done that? Where just, uh, my, my father-in-law had these real small tongs, and I had to get in there. Well, that smell is pretty unique. <laughs> not even a singe of their hair on their heads, on their bodies, 
miraculous. This is the miracle. So many miracles. You know, I love this about our faith. I love this that this is the God that we worship, that even when you have a dictator like Nebuchadnezzar that's controlling, that's prideful, that's arrogant, that God can still reveal himself. In fact, Jesus didn't just reveal himself to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Nebuchadnezzar saw it, all the leaders saw it, all the satraps, the governors, every, all the leadership of Babylon saw that the God, Jesus Christ, was right there in the furnace, was right there. It's so powerful. You know, when I think about this message and I think about chapters in the Bible that we read about this, there's so many things that we can apply. First and foremost, before Christ, all of us made foolish decisions. Even when you receive Christ and you're new in your faith, even sometimes by accident, we still make foolish decisions. And I love that Jesus... If we look at uh, the furnace, it really is a symbol of what Jesus came to do. Because all of us, because of our sin, we're destined to be eternally separated from God. And we know that eternally separated from God is explained as a fire. So here's a beautiful picture of all of us, even the, un- the righteous, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Nebuchadnezzar, and all the leadership, the unrighteous that, aren't, that are serving other gods. All of us will be going into that same furnace without Christ. All of us need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. And here's a beautiful picture of Jesus saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A picture, a beautiful picture of what he would come to do as the Messiah, that he's here to save all of us, to deliver all of us, to protect all of us, to reveal himself, to show himself to all of us. King Nebuchadnezzar was foolish and so can I, so can I and you, we can all be foolish at times. I'm thankful that that doesn't separate us, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were foolish, Jesus died for us. Now, Nebuchadnezzar should have remembered the dream and the interpretation. And I think he did remember it. He was just being prideful. And I think it's another thing we can learn. There's, there's times when Jesus is trying to speak to us And our pride won't let us hear them. Our pride or our arrogance or whatever it is, God is speaking. He's showing us himself in some way, and we just say no. Maybe you're in that place. Look, Nebuchadnezzar was in that place. Then there's another beautiful picture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are following God. It seems kind of unfair that they're thrown into a furnace, doesn't it? These are great men of God. They're doing great things for Nebuchadnezzar. They're doing great things for the kingdom of Babylon. And yet, because they won't bow down to his statue, which, by the way, would have went against every part of value and character of who they are as Jews. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments say, don't bow to graven images or statues. Don't do it. Don't worship any other God but the, the, but the one true God. These would have been character things that would have spoke against everything that they were as men of God. They wouldn't have done it. It seems kind of unfair that they're being thrown into a furnace because they wouldn't bow down to a statue, which the one God that they do worship says, don't do it. But yet God saved them and delivered them. And honestly, could have saved and delivered Nebuchadnezzar too. 
Now, I don't know. We don't know the whole story. I do know next week we'll talk about that the Achilles heel for Nebuchadnezzar was pride. What took everything away from him was pride. And the same is true for us. Pride will kill us too. It will destroy everything that you've worked hard for. But all of us have dealt with pride before. All of us have been prideful. All of us have been arrogant. Now, maybe we don't make a 90-foot statue. If you do, I haven't seen it. If you did, I'd like to go take it down with you. But you know what we do today? What's everything about today in our world? Me, me, me. Think about it. Facebook. Whose face are they talking about? Yours. It's all about likes and followers. Now, those things aren't bad. Look, it's neutral. But we've got to think about who are we exalting? Are we exalting ourselves? or are we exalting Jesus? Like we live in the world of what? Selfies. Selfies aren't bad unless it's all about you. Unless it's about what you want and you manipulate and control. You'll say hurtful words. You'll say whatever, you, whatever things you want so you can get your way. Look, that's pride. That's arrogance. Now let's talk about the king's response. And I love this. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful response. And I think for all of us, we can understand that when, if you saw a miracle like that, you might respond very similarly. But the king's response in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 and 29, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, set, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Here's King Nebi with another decree. How many of you know there's gonna be something attached to it? Absolutely. I make a decree, very similar to his last one, that all the people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made into an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Now, I love that every single human being should worship Jesus. I don't love that we cut them up in pieces and we burn their houses down, but that's what pride does. He could have just gave the first part. It just goes to show that there wasn't a true reception of Jesus in King Nebuchadnezzar's heart. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't stop. He doesn't care how far away from God you are, how hard your heart is. If you're dealing with pride today, God still loves you. He's not mad at you. He'd rather us repent and humble ourselves, but if not, God in a loving way can humble you. I also love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith. I didn't read this earlier purposely because I wanted to save it for last, but in verse 17 and 18 of the same chapter, here's basically what they said. I won't read it. I think they'll put the verse up there. You can just follow along with me. I'll just kind of go with my own words with it, but basically they... uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you in the furnace, here's what they said. Go ahead. Go ahead. What I loved about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they believed in miracles. They said, even if you throw me in that furnace, my God can deliver me. They still believed that 
regardless of what he did, that God could show up and save them, that God could show up and deliver them. And I love the second statement either because we can't dictate miracles. Again, let's humble ourselves. We're not the ones doing the miracles. He is. And I love the second part as well where they said, look, even if he doesn't save me from the furnace, I want to make it abundantly clear, I'm not worshiping that statue. I'm letting you know now, I'd rather burn in that furnace than worship that statue. I love their faith. Look, miracles still happen today. You need to believe in miracles. In fact, but we can't dictate the miracle. We can't tell God what he's going to do and how he's going to provide the miracle, but we should still believe that God can get us out of a terrible mess. That whether it's a fiery furnace or whatever you're going through, whether it's a, a person that's lost, that we have a God that still does miracles today. And there's nothing wrong with standing firm on your face saying, God, I need your miracle. I need you to find this person. I need you to save me from this furnace. I need you to get me out of this mess. God hears your prayers. Miracles still happen today, and I know they're not an everyday occurrence. Maybe they can be if we believe. Where's our faith? And I love that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the faith and had the relationship with God to say, Nebuchadnezzar, do what you want because my God can save me and even if he doesn't, I'm with God but I'm not worshiping that statue you made. And so today as we close up and as we end our services today, I just want you to think about where you're at and I need you to know that Jesus loves you wherever you're at. If you're not following Jesus, He's speaking to you today. That's why you're here. Look, there's been kings with mighty power, mighty influence that did everything in their power to make sure that it was all about them, but yet God revealed himself to them and God is revealing himself to you. If you're sitting here today and you know you struggle with pride, I thought, you know, there's, there's one thing that we can do with this message today that would be, you know, kind of funny but also memorable because None of us do well, especially if you're prideful. If you're a prideful person, the one thing you don't want happen is someone to walk up and go, hey, you're prideful. So here's a fun way to do it. You're a little nebby today. <laughs> here's what you're saying. You need to humble yourself a little bit. You're being arrogant. You're being prideful. Look, I love the Lord and I love you guys and I think all of us deal with pride. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm dealing with pride right now and I need to repent. I know for me, that was my sin. I was very prideful, very arrogant before I met Christ. It was all about me. It was probably all about you as well. That's the original temptation from the devil. You don't need God. Certainly, you're not going to die. Here's what he's saying. Certainly, you know better. Don't you want to be like God? If you eat this fruit, you're going to be like God. Here's what he's saying. Be rooted in pride. Who cares? God will he'll forgive you. He will forgive you, but it's not a right to be ignorant and keep being prideful. And so if you're struggling with it today, just come to a place and be honest with the Lord. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But just right there, just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm repenting. I need to humble myself. I promise you, God will meet you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. 
He's not going to throw you into a furnace. But he'll meet you in the furnace. He'll meet you right where you are. Save you, deliver you, heal you. The best thing we could do, this is what I love about taking communion, is the promises is that he's sending you the Holy Spirit. Why? Yes, that'll be with you, but he's also showing you his heart. That's why the Holy Spirit's main objective and main purpose is to lead you to truth, to lead you to God's heart. Full of joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Pride is a, self, is a non-self-control issue, isn't it? That God can give you his heart. He can make you exactly the way he designed you to be, and he can help you. And so whatever you're going through, God's here. He's here to meet you. Just stand your feet. I want to pray with you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Don't worry about your neighbor. This is between you and God. Lord, I need you. Lord, I just thank you. In your own words, tell him. We all need Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that, like King Nebuchadnezzar, they know that there's a God out there, but they don't believe in the one true God. Would you reveal yourself to them, Holy Spirit? Lord, I'm sure that they already sense it. They already feel it. They're already hearing you. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room that's like Nebuchadnezzar, they've been in services like this. They've seen miracles. They've seen God be part of their life, but they've forgotten. They've shelved it. They've went away. Would you lead them back to you? Holy Spirit, would you lead them back to a relationship with you? Would you bring them back to this beautiful relationship you want to have with them? Look, if that's you today and you're away from God or you need to give your life to God, would you just lift your hand up? Come on. Be bold. Sometimes you gotta stand on that furnace and be bold. That's you. Lord, I just pray for this church. I pray for every person here. Pray for every heart that's before you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Guide us. Correct us if we need corrected, God. If there's anyone in struggling with pride, help them. Help them. God, the sin of pride is a bad thing, but Lord, the the leadership that's in people that have pride is a beautiful thing. Lord, there may be strong-minded people like Nebuchadnezzar in here. But Lord, when you can use that leadership and you can use that gift for the kingdom, it's so beautiful. Some of the greatest apostles, their sin was pride. You think about the apostle Paul, his sin was pride. You think about David and Solomon, their sin was pride. The greatest leaders we see in the scripture, they struggle with pride too. But they come to a place where they humble themselves. They came to a place where they say, God, I'm sorry and I need you. I love you and I thank you for showing me your heart and how I can live and how I can lead people. So Lord, I just pray for every person here, regardless where they're at, maybe they're going through something, maybe they're got on the mountaintop and they're blessed. Maybe they just had a 
furnace moment like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they're blown away. God, I just thank you that you're in all moments of our life. Every situation and circumstance, you're with us, you love us, and you're here to help us. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to reveal yourself to us. Show us who you are, and we magnify you. We exalt you. We bless you. We choose to make this moment all about you. Not only today, but every day of our life, we want you to be exalted and you to be lifted up. And Jesus, we'll always stand for you. We're thankful for you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Look, we want to pray for you today. If there's anything we can pray for, maybe it's pertaining to the message. If there's something you're going through, we believe in prayer. I'm telling you, we see God answer in so many ways. And it's not because we're anything special. It's because he's so special. And that we just believe that God uses us. And we're honored that he does. We're honored that he chooses us, that he speaks through us. So if you need prayer for anything, now's the time. You can come down during the song. You can come down after service. But I I want you to take that step and say, I need to pray. I need to stand with God and with this church. So important that we do that. So altar teams, come on forward. Uh, We want you to be ready and available. And whenever you're ready, look, if it's, uh, I want you to worship, take some time, talk to God. And whenever you're ready, if you want to come during the song, you're not interrupting service. You're not bothering us. Please come up for prayer. Uh, If you want to come up after service, that's fine. We'll stay as long as you need us. God bless you. We love you. Let's worship together. Uh, Justin will dismiss us here shortly, but let's worship together.